True to You Radio. Learn. Illuminate. Love. Light. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we explore and learn what it means to live from your heart, not your head. And for those of you not quite familiar with heart dancing, it's a process of unlearning the world's messages and remembering your authentic self. When you start listening to the world's definition of happiness and success, at some point you may realize that you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. There's always going to be something more to strive for or obtain. Heart dancing is a different way of looking at your world and looking at yourself. It's a way to return to your soul, the source of unconditional love. And the heart dancing mantra is, let love lead. And you'll understand more about that as you join me in the dance. Love knows the way, you just have to follow. Heart dancing. Welcome to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we explore what it means to live authentically, create deliberately, and dance with life. My name is Katherine Erickson, and I'm the leader of the Heart Dancing Movement, and you are in for a treat today. Our guest is so special. I met her through a friend, and I'd like to say we've become friends Lisa Peterson is one of those uh, people who have navigated the world of finance and the world of money so well, but now she's merging that with mindfulness and spirituality. She has her MBA, and she's also a certified financial planner, wealth coach, and founder of Wealth Clinic, a global community that helps entrepreneurs improve their relationship with money through coaching, workshops, and retreats. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the Heart Dancing Radio Show. I can't wait to get into this. Thank you, Catherine, so much for having me. Yes, and you have such a fascinating story. You started out in the world of finance, is that right? Yep. And what? just give us a real quick rundown of your professional career before we get into the juicy stuff. Sure. I got my MBA in the early 90s and was drawn to the money business because I wanted more of it, like many people, and really worked my way up the career ladder uh, at one point reaching the realization that I was never meant for the corporate environment, so that was in the early 2000s, and switched and went into sales, but still in in finance, so mortgages, and eventually became a financial advisor. I definitely love, you know, I love money. I love helping people with money. I get excited about what happens when people go from not understanding it or not having it to having it. And so I feel like that's been a lifelong passion. Mm. So that's quite a switch to working inside the industry with money to stepping out and helping through your coaching and your clinics and your events, individuals and small groups understand what money is. That's such a switch. Is there something? Yeah. 
yeah, is there a story or can you tell us how you made that transition? So there were a few things. One is, I mean, the ultimate realization for me more recently before I started this company was that instead of helping people just be custodians of it or protect it, I was really passionate about helping people make more of it and not just, you know, a few bucks more, but but make more and keep it. So that's always been, I think, the, the passion and something I did for myself. So in my mid-30s, my husband and I had been also running a construction company and we became you know, millionaires in this kind of early time in our life after working really, really hard you know, building houses and, and being really good at what we were doing, me having this great you know, financial understanding and him having this great design and construction understanding. And so I knew it was possible because both of us had come from very little and I knew it was possible to build wealth. I just didn't know if I could help people do the same. So that became my passion. But simultaneous to all of that happening, I faced some pretty severe tragedies in the late 90s that caused me to sort of um, take stock of my life and realize that I had not been a happy person most of my life. I kind of you know, suffered from not enough syndrome, you know, not enough me, not enough the world, not enough anything, was never good enough. And I began this journey sort of earlier than most people in life. So in my early 30s, to begin this, this place of, of self-understanding. And so I was doing that, you know, for now 16 years, and kind of keeping these worlds separate. So I kept my financial you know, business completely separate from my spiritual uh, business. <laughs> and I started teaching meditation and I started doing workshops and I started you know, just super enjoying this aspect of my life, but I kept them completely separate. And that started to become ridiculous. And that's what led to the, the shift. And now you have a business called Wealth Clinic. Yeah. Okay, so let me take you back just a few steps because I'm fascinated with what what causes people or what sparks people to make that shift. You're you're almost leading two separate lives, one in the financial, very worldly, uh, grounded uh, space, and then the other in the spiritual, more connected, more right brain, more creative, uh, very nonlinear. So, was there a specific? event or was this just kind of a gradual merging of these two worlds? It was probably both, but there were two big things that happened. One was when my husband and I did make a lot of money and all of a sudden, like at one point got a check for over a million dollars. And what I noticed in hindsight, not at the time, it was very unconscious, but what happened at the time was we went into what I call scarcity mode now. So it goes completely contrary to what we've been taught that when you make money and you feel successful that you're just going to keep doing it, for example. But mm -hmm. what I've found is that we way exceeded our money ceiling. And instead of continuing to make money, we actually went into, oh my gosh, what if we lose it mode? And so that was in the mid 2000, right? As the economy was getting bad, right? So it became tough for everyone. And we were dealing with these extreme fears that I really didn't totally understand until I started researching and started this company, what had happened to us. So that's one of the things I, I teach about, but it was big because it wasn't even until I started this company that I was like, 
oh my gosh, I'm living in scarcity mode. And oh my gosh, so is everyone else around at least one area of their life. So it was a big realization. It led to a lot of my studies and the things I teach about. But unfortunately, the other big catalyst is that I was sitting in my doctor's office in December of 2013. And I was, I had been building my financial advising practice. I wasn't excited about what I was doing, but I knew that there was a lot of potential with it. And I was sitting there in my doctor's office and kind of, um, I had been working with this doctor for about four months and waiting for him and he was running behind. And all of a sudden a man walked into this pretty large waiting room and looked at me and the other people in the doctor's office and said, you might want to leave now as he pulled out a very large gun. What? He, he pulled out a gun? Yes, he pulled out a gun. And I looked at him because he was so compassionate in the way he'd said that. I thought maybe he was a police officer or, you know, I just didn't understand what was going on. You Nobody did. So we all just sort of froze and looked at him like he was just weird. You know, nobody was afraid at that moment. But then things changed really quickly and he started to move fast towards the back of the office and a receptionist tried to stop him and, and realized she saw the gun and started screaming to everyone in this large office to get out, get out. This guy has a gun, get out. So that was when the chaos started. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. As you can imagine, you know, it was horrifying and I was not hurt, but other people were, um, he was, he had a motive. He went and found, you know, his doctor shot her. And then my doctor got involved. He shot at my doctor, hit a relative of a patient and then went back and shot and killed my doctor and, um, eventually <sighs> killed himself. Okay. Uh, how, uh, <laughs> that's just so huge. It was, it was, it was horrifying. And, I got stuck in an elevator. I thought that he was coming. We all thought he was coming around the corner. I sort of had this out-of-body experience during the whole, you know, thing. And in that elevator, you know, I didn't know what was happening on the other side of the wall. I didn't know what he was doing. I was praying he was doing nothing, you know, that it wasn't going to be as bad as it could be. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I realized that I might not be going home. I might not see my family again. And I like time just slowed down and I had enough of this sort of, oh my gosh, if you get out of this alive, nothing will ever be the same in your life. And that's exactly what happened. Mm, 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 mm. Well, thankfully you did get out alive and uh, the other people as well, but that is such a chaotic and totally unexpected experience that yeah. it, it has to have rippled through your life ever since. I'm sure it did. Yeah, it did in many ways. I mean, obviously, incredible compassion for these people that, you know, went through it. This is their workplace. This is right. their loved ones. This is, there was so much around the people in that office. And I really, someday I hope I can go back and be with these people because here's the deal. I had been doing this, you know, meditation and mindfulness practice and self-realization practice for, you know, 14 years at that point, I guess. And I was able to, all of us had PTSD, but I noticed that because of my extreme practices around forgiveness and um, 
all kinds of other stuff. Like I was able to transform the situation and not have it be something that kept me stuck in this place of horror, which is what I think happens to a lot of people. And I knew that I was able to transcend that and that I needed to really learn how to teach that to other people because there are plenty of situations that we find ourselves in that aren't as horrifying as that that we need help with. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for offering that. And I can hear it in your voice that you've forgiven that person for causing that much chaos and tragedy and, and harm to people, the shooter. Yes. Okay. And that in and of itself is incredible. Um, wow. We could spend the whole show on that, but I really don't want to. I know. I know. It's always hard to bring it up because I know that it's hard for people to process it. But we can always talk again about forgiveness on another in another episode because I think that's probably what people are most curious about. Yes, 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 yes. And that's a great idea. I'm, I'm taking notes right now because right it, it, the way things are right now in society and politics and everything else, I just keep thinking to myself, we just need to forgive each other. We just yeah. need to forgive each other. And yeah, I would so love to do another show on that. So let's, let's put that down. But the topic today, getting back on track, is mindful wealth. That's what you teach about, isn't it? Yeah, this term that I've coined about wealth being much more than just money. All right. So mindful wealth is something that I'm sure you probably moved into. And was it after these two things, you know, making the money and then feeling like you were going to lose it and then the tragedy in the doctor's office? Did those two events move you past any fear you may have been having that held you back and move you into the space where you are now? Definitely. I mean, I think that each and every day continues to help me kind of wake up to the challenges that we face in our lives and how I can use my own challenges to help other people, particularly around, I'd say, the sacrifices that we make in our life in pursuit of money or these things that we've been taught to, you know, consumerism. And all of a sudden we wake up one day and we're like, wait a minute, where did my life go? So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the, the idea of, of what I've been moving into. And that is so beautiful. I, I just love that, Lisa. And your website, uh, wealthclinic.com, um, I was just on there this morning, and there are so many free gifts that you just share with people. Your, your wisdom just seems to flow out of that website. Um, is that your purpose and your mission to help people see their money and their wealth from a totally different standpoint? I would have to agree with what you just said. Yes, I am very passionate about this transformational process of going from money controlling you to you being in control of money. And it's complicated. And that's probably why I'm going about it in so many different ways. You know, I've got this podcast, I've got the meditations, I've got the courses, I've got the coaching, I've got the blogging. Like a lot of times people are like, normally you just pick one. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, you can tell I have total ADD brain. But I also know that different people find different things interesting. And my goal is to be as, more, as prolific 
as possible so that it does reach as many people as it can. Yes, and uh, just having discovered you, I think about 10 days ago, <laughs> I, you have been very prolific and you've actually inspired me to, to get more uh, productive and more creative in my own message because it's easy to fall into a rut. It's easy to say, okay, that's my message and I'm going with it and just let it sit there. So do you see action as part of this whole transformative process? I do. I see action and, um, you know, it's so funny because I think that's the challenge with money is because it's the programming is so deep inside of us that it is about stimulating a lot of different conversations because here's what happens. The ego mind will attach onto a concept very quickly and say, I've got it. And then they go about, you know, we go about doing our business, but we never really dive deeper into that thing. So if you are hanging out with me for very, very long, you'll start to see that I rarely use terms that other people use. Things like law of attraction or, um, you know, there's probably a lot of affirmations. Like I don't do the normal thing because what I found is the minute the ego identifies with a concept, it stops learning. And I want people to learn. So I think that the teaching that I do and being able to come at it from all these different angles. So I'll talk about the brain science one day. I'll talk about psychology another day. I'll talk about spirituality another day. Like I'm constantly hitting the mind in many different angles because that's the only way that it really sticks. So when people come back to me and have taken my classes, they'll be, they're in a position of saying, this is changing my life in an area that I have not had any movement for before around. So I'm yeah. out of the rut with money. So that's also why I don't spend a ton of time teaching money principles, because I know that by the time you're done with my work, you're going to be right for whatever. You'll be able to learn stuff about money like you've never been able to learn. The blocks won't be there. Okay, that is so fascinating. You're the first person I've met who's taken that approach. Typically, you see the same, you know, four or five principles, seven principles, and he's, here are the steps, and this is what you need to do. But what I loved about what you just said is that you're speaking the truth about money, mm-hmm. and the truth doesn't need to be hidden. And what needs to change and what should change is our stories and our own relationship to money. Mm-hmm. And so holding that truth out for people that it's really just an exchange of value and it doesn't have all these emotional overtones, you help people move through their own stuff. Is that a fair way to say it? Totally. And you really are hitting the nail on the head because this isn't about my interpretation of money. It is about your interpretation. And so when I'm not just telling you one thing and expecting you to believe it, buy it, practice it. Instead, um, you're learning methodology in which to use to make better decisions for yourself, you know, using your intuitive voice around money, for example, then, you know, you're going to be far better prepared for the rest of your life than anything else I could do. And it's that whole teach a man to fish, you know, you feed him for a lifetime. Mm, love that. So you do help people identify where they are right now with money. And yes. T- and you had mentioned the scarcity uh, mindset, and I'm sure there's other mindsets that you identify as you work with people. 
Yeah, I've, I've developed this system and I'm actually writing a book about it right now, but I, I just created an abbreviated version of the book for my own self and for other people to get clarity. But it's really that, that there are seven stages of scarcity, which I also call self-sabotage, that cause us to not go for it in life, for example, and get what we ultimately want. Yes. And so, oh, that is so exciting. And again, that could be a whole nother show, but <laughs> let me just add, since that was a teaser, let me just ask you, is there a projected date when your book's going to come out? So it's so funny. I've kind of, I have to be careful not to beat up on myself because I've been working on it off and on since the fall. And I really got serious about it in January and February. And then I sort of hit a wall. So this past few weeks, I've been moving to Sedona, Arizona. I've been busy, but I haven't had this great draw to, to write. And I think it was because there were some things that I was bumping up against in the book that I didn't fully understand yet, and therefore I couldn't teach. And so I think what I'm having happen now is I'm getting the rest of that information from my life, from my relationship with the you know, God, universe, and so I am careful about saying when the date is going to be, but I would love for it to be by the summertime. Okay. Well, sometime this year, is it safe to say that? Yes. Yes, okay. definitely. And this, I think we'll, we'll give a link to this, uh, this seven ways that we entrepreneurs engage in self-sabotage. We'll give them a link so that you can at least get the abbreviated version. You don't have to wait for the full version. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So uh, Heart Dancers, when you're listening to this, be, pay attention to the show notes on my website, katherineerickson.com, because uh, Lisa has just given you a incredible gift. There will be a link to her shorter ebook on the seven stages of scarcity inside those show notes. So as you're listening to this, go click over there because Lisa, I see what you're doing and we're, we're kind of needing to wrap up, but I tend to see what you're doing as you have lived these experiences yourself. You've bumped up into these stories. You've seen how these stories can limit you and make you play small, even when you're a millionaire. So coming out and teaching this to other people helps them deal with their own money stories and gives them the tools and the processes and the information and knowledge to make those changes in their own life. Yeah. And, and that is such an incredible gift. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah. And I just wanted to also mention that uh, Lisa has this wonderful five-day video course on her website that's free called Money and Mindfulness, The Secrets to Having It All. And I've watched the first two videos, which are fabulous, and we'll sit down and watch the rest. But again, go to wealthclinic.com. There is, and this is a pun, but there is a wealth of information <laughs> on that website for people who are resonating with this message, who are not happy with their money situation, who maybe get a glimmer that there's something they're doing that's causing their situation and not money itself. So Lisa, do you have any parting words of advice to our listeners? I think the most important thing to know is that we've been trained as a culture to not think that we can be wealthy. 
And I want to change that. And so the more you can kind of explore personally this idea of do you believe that you can be wealthy or do you believe it's not possible and really question that belief. Because when you question that belief, I think what you'll find is that there is tremendous wealth around you. It's just opening up and receiving that wealth from where you stand today. Mm, that is so powerful. And I love the message because it's also empowering. And that kind of dives into what I teach people as well, to live authentically and to discover your own power. And money is often a barrier for people when they buy into that cultural message. But your message is so wonderful. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, no, this has been so much fun. Well, there's going to be a lot more to come. Thank you for listening. And this has been the Heart Dancing Radio Show. Be well, live authentically, and be sure and check out Lisa's website. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Heart Dancing Radio Show, where we learn to dance with our hearts, not our heads. And remember, you're now part of the tribe. Be sure and tell your friends about the magic that happens here. Uh, Heart Dancing, it's the only way to live. 